really cool thing about social media is that we get to 100% be ourselves. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. I am so excited about today's guest. Kat from Social Cat Media is on a mission to help people put the fun back in social media. And I was so excited to have this conversation. I love social media so much. I spend far too much time on it and it has led to so many amazing connections and business growth for me. And yet I totally understand the drag that a lot of people see social media to be. And I've definitely experienced times in my life where social media is not a priority because it can't be a priority because I'm really struggling with the comparison game and feeling like I can't really be myself and I'm not really being myself and I'm not doing a good job and just all of those things that kind of come into your brain when you spend too much time on social media without intention. And that's really what we talk about in this episode is how can we approach social media with intention and use it to grow our business and spend time there, but also not at the expense of our own mental health. I love Kat for this conversation. It's really um, necessary, I think, in the age that we're living in because social media is so powerful. And so incredible and really such a gift that we have as business owners, but with, with great power comes great responsibility. What's that from? I'm going to look it up. With great power comes great responsibility. It's from Spider-Man. So Spider-Man gets it with great power comes great responsibility. And that's really what we're talking about today with Kat from Social Cat Media. Enjoy this conversation. What do Sephora, Lululemon, Teva, and Scrub Daddy have in common? They're all brands absolutely killing it right now on social media. Their best kept secret? Personal branding. These brands aren't acting like big corporations hiding behind logos and color palettes. They're acting like people. They're utilizing influencers, user-generated content, and their own employees to turn their brands into powerful recognition tools that build their own reputation and rapport with customers, resulting in consumer relationships that keep people coming back and choosing their brand over all the rest. Personal branding is the secret sauce your business is missing to allow you to charge higher prices, improve your reputation, and become the personal brand photographer, or insert your profession here, in your area. This is a topic that I'm breaking down every single week in my email newsletter. You don't need to be an influencer to have a social media following that knows, likes, and trusts you. Whether you're a solopreneur, a big corporation, or something in between, personal branding can work for you to help grow your business. Each week, I send out tips and tricks so you can take simple action to grow your personal brand. Interested? Head to maddiepichon.com slash growyourbrand to sign up now. That's maddiepichon.com slash growyourbrand. See you in your inbox. Kat, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Maddie. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, me too. So to start us off, if you could introduce yourself, that would be lovely. Awesome. I'm Kat Tapilla Murphy and I am the head of strategy and memes at Social Cat Media which is a social media agency that works with small businesses. I live in a tiny community in Ontario, Canada, and have two wonderful little kiddos. So my husband 
and I, our dog and our kids live out in the country. Awesome. And how long have you been working in social media? This is my seventh year in business full-time. Very cool. Before you started doing your business full-time, were you doing social media in like the corporate world or like what got you into having your own business? What was that like? Yeah. So I studied advertising in school, which I really loved, but I didn't love the vibe of the big time advertising agencies and the like hustle culture was not my vibe. So I actually got into the sporting industry first. So I worked for some hockey organizations and that's where I really got my start in social. And then right after um, graduating university is when I kind of dove into my own business. Very cool. I'm really pumped to talk with you today because you talk about social media in such a unique way and that you really put mental health at the forefront which I think is really a important conversation and an increasingly important conversation when you talk about social. So can you talk a little bit about why that's so important for you and like why you've kind of carved out that niche for yourself? Yeah. So for me personally, I realized that when I had my daughter four years ago, social media, I think has gotten better since then, but at the time it was like a very overly curated, like Pinterest perfect type setup on Instagram. So when I had my daughter and struggled in that like postpartum period, I really felt alone and thought I was the only person who was quote unquote failing at motherhood. And through conversations with people, I realized like that wasn't the case, that there's a lot of people feeling the same way. And through those experiences, realized like a lot of that is also like interchangeable with business. Like we see these like picture perfect posts about people's like six-figure launches and like all these amazing things that people are doing on social. And then we just are left like comparing ourselves to that and feeling often like negative or wondering like what we could or should be doing in order to be like those people. So with my own like lived experiences and then obviously supporting countless small businesses on social, I really realized like that is what was the most uh, passionate for me was like making social media feel good and not it being like a negative loop of content that we're seeing all the time. Yeah. I just, I love this so much. I, I love social media and for me, it's been such a way to like connect with like-minded people and advocate for certain groups and build my business and like all these good things. And yet I'm very in tune with the negative impacts and side effects of social media too. And I hear from so many clients and friends who just say, I hate social media. Like I hate social media. And I think a lot of it is in how they're using it. Right. And so what do you, how do you kind of have that conversation? If somebody's like, I hate social media, this is like, this isn't fun for me. I feel like it's sucking my soul dry, whatever, but you can see the potential that it has for, for their business. Yeah, I think it a lot of it comes down to intention. So thinking about why we're on social media and like as businesses, we really need to get down to like the business side of it and not think of social media necessarily as, you know, trying to get the most likes or most follows, but really thinking about, okay, like why is my business on social media? Like, just like you were saying, like to build that community. So instead of thinking about another account that has thousands more followers than you do really thinking about, okay, like those really good connections that we've made and trying to foster that versus these unrealistic expectations we have of social media. 
That's such a great point. The vanity metrics have kind of effed with our heads a little bit of like what we expect from social media. Yeah. And I think we even have unrealistic expectations, like based on our own past content, like the Instagram of 2017 is no longer when I always use the example. If I could scroll back in my feed, I'd have like a stock image of a desk and that would be my image. And like, I'd get, you know, hundreds of likes, Mm -hmm. which that's not the case anymore. And that's good that we're using social media to create so much more value for our audience. But we also just need to adjust our expectations in terms of what the engagement looks like. Absolutely. One of my favorite metrics, I've shared about this on Instagram before, but one of my favorite metrics is not likes and comments, but it's going in, like going onto stories and saying, I've got a pound of ground beef and no idea what to do for dinner. And the amount of people who take the time to like thoughtfully send me their favorite recipe, like even if I got two likes on a post the day before, I'm like, okay, if I have, you know, 20, 50, however many people sending me their ground beef recipes, I think I'm doing something right. Yeah. Those relationships and connections are so powerful. Like we think about how we can market our business. There's nothing like social media and having those like one-to-one relationships with people, like where people feel like they know you. And when you hop on a call with them or you, they buy your product you're not starting from ground zero. You already have this established connection, which is so powerful. So powerful. And like wild that we have that possibility, like in the palm of our hand. And like the example you shared stories is a great way to really foster that connection and using those question stickers. My biggest tip is like asking for those tips or ideas, whether it's business or like in your life, like a recipe, like what you should make for supper or how you should decorate a room. Like people love sharing their own experiences and it's a great way to get that engagement going. Yeah. People love talking about themselves. Give them the platform to talk about themselves. Percent. I love that. Okay. So we are starting, we're, we're approaching social media with more intentionality so we can really be in the right headspace. But what are some boundaries that we can set up to use social media for our business? We were talking right before I hit record, like I just came off of a launch. And so I was, I was really active on social media because it was making pretty significant sales in my business. So we, we like to use social media to grow our business and that's a really wonderful thing, but what boundaries need to exist to make it so we can still protect our humanness? There's so many different ways and it's going to depend on your own, like the way you like to work, but some of the like base level things they always recommend, first of all, turning off notifications for Instagrams that you are choosing to go into the app versus the app telling you to go in. That's like step one for sure. Another really good boundary. So obviously we need to be posting stories from our phone, but other than that, I recommend using Instagram on your desktop, like on your computer, because it's way harder to get sucked in. It's like the watching the reels experience isn't as good. Even watching stories isn't as good. So it's really good to get in there and then respond to the comments, maybe comment on some other people's posts and then exit out of that browser. Yes. I love that. I, 
I recently have changed it. So I have like an hour of social media screen time on my phone and then everything else, it's kind of cheating because I'm allowed to like use the desktop version, but I notice I don't get sucked in. So I'm like, if I'm using it for exactly what I need to use it for and then leaving, I'll, I'll use the desktop version. Like that's fine. It's a game changer. Cause I think all of us have gone in a situation where we like open up Instagram, be like, oh, I should respond to those comments or like, check my messages. And then we're like watching stories and we don't even have a reason to be watching stories. It just yeah. like suck us in, which is yeah. what social media is designed for. So I think it's really good to have like that intentionality that we talked about, like when you're going on the desktop app and like maybe it's setting a reminder on your phone for like stories at 10 AM noon and 2 PM to keep consistent and active. But other than that, keeping your phone like out of your view like I will go put my phone in another room because if not if it's just sitting there I'm like oh yeah what's going that's on that's a great idea <laughs> yes sometimes it's I, like yeah it's breaking it down to those like basics sometimes totally because we read it's just out of habit so often like I notice if something takes too long to load on my computer I like grab my phone and then it's been 30 minutes <laughs> no the social media platforms are really good at what they are supposed to do, which is suck us in. And part of us, like, it's okay to have times where you're on a reels binge and like, it's, you know, spend an hour on your phone at night, as long as it's like feeling good and it's what you want to be doing. So like, there's times I'm like, yeah, this is my like mindless reels binge time. But there's other times where I'm like, okay, I have 10 minutes. I'm going to set a timer on my phone and I'm going to go into reels and like find some trending audio for this week. So it's really thinking about, okay, what am I hoping to get out of this time on social media? Yeah. I love that. What do you do when it comes to like, do you have business hours kind of set up when it comes to social media? Like, how do you navigate that? Yes and no. So this is something I've been really in flow with as an entrepreneur, because at first especially once I had kids, I was kind of in the mindset of, oh, to be successful means I work nine to five and I never work in the evenings or on the weekends. But I really kind of embrace a bit more of a flow with business and life that like, yeah, I can take a day off and go on a field trip with my kid, but that means I still have to catch up. So I do respond to messages at night sometime if I'm just watching TV or if I'm working. But my like non-negotiable is that 5 to 7 p.m. time when my kids are home from school and daycare. We're doing the supper, the bedtime thing. And so that point, I literally take my phone out of our like out of the living space, put it in our bedroom, because if not, I'll just, yeah, be caught scrolling Mm -hmm. Instagram stories when I don't even want to be. Yes. Yes. I think that that is super smart. I I really like that simple tip of like putting it in a different room, like just out of sight, out of mind. It's, it seems so simple, but it is really hard because if it's within reach, it is our human, like, it's just normal to us to grab it and to look. And as you mentioned, like, then it's like, oh, it's been a while and we haven't um, done the thing. So that's like, for me, and I have a little bit of ADHD brain going on. So it's really easy for me to get distracted with my phone and then open up Instagram and like, oh, I should check. Facebook or my email when that's not what I was supposed to be doing. So just getting it out of your eyesight is huge. Yeah. Okay. How do you fight comparison? That I feel like is another really tricky thing when it comes to social media, because 
we have access to so much more than we've ever had access to, which is so great and a little dangerous. And those feelings of like comparison and imposter syndrome start to creep in. How do you handle that? It is so dangerous. And the example I always think about was back in March, 2020, when, you know, everything was shutting down. I was at home with my 18 month old because her daycare closed. And what I saw on social was these other business owners who were pivoting and launching online courses and these online programs to support businesses. And I was just making it through the day between trying to keep my business running, parenting, worrying about a global pandemic. And I remember the comparison really hitting hard. And I think we really need to kind of take a step back and go back to our why of why we're doing our own business and why we're on social. And the other piece of it is keeping, this is a kind of like in business in general, but like keep us folder on your phone or a note that has like hype, like comments that you've received of people mm. who like really resonated with a post or like um, analytics from a post that really performed well, where people were like saving it a lot because it was a really handy tip or things like that can be really helpful, really focusing on your own goals, way easier said than done. But keeping that like hype folder on your phone is really helpful too for those days where you feel yourself comparing to others because it's always going to happen sometimes. You can go back and see that like, okay, my community is here and is invested Mm -hmm. in what I'm doing. I have a folder like that in my email inbox that I just save like kind emails and notes. And I love the idea of having that on my phone. It's so nice. Just like as a quick way to look at it. And the other thing you can do if you're really struggling with comparison and you're feeling like maybe your content isn't performing well enough or you're not like living up to what other people are doing, it's always good to like dive into your own content and see what is making you feel good that you're creating. So sometimes if we're trying to create content that we feel like we should be doing, Mm. like we see another creator doing, that can really foster that comparison because we're trying to do what we feel like we should be doing versus what actually feels good for us. So like literally just like take a gauge of how you feel when you're creating content or like when, even when you're watching content, like what feels good to you, go into your analytics, see if you like sort your content for the last 90 days, see what content has gotten you the most comments and really see like what is fostering my community And then how can I create more content like that versus trying to do what everyone else is doing? Yep. Yep. That's such a great point because you are like consuming so much on social media. It's so easy to kind of get sucked into like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And then of course you don't like being on social media because it feels like you're like doing stuff you don't want to be doing. You're trying to be someone that's not you. And the really cool thing about social media is that we get to hundred percent be ourselves. And for me, part of my business journey was like really owning that realness of it and talking about mental health and talking about the struggles and the wins of being a business owner, because it's something we're all dealing with and living through. I think like every single person on social media has struggled with comparing themselves to others, but we don't really talk about it. So being able to have those conversations is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. 
Are you discerning with who you follow on social media? And is that something that you really recommend to your clients as well? I, I get a lot of, I love unfollowing. (laughs) I think it's great, but I tend to get a lot of pushback when I tell other people like, oh, just unfollow or just like really cut down the list of who you're following. Cause they're so concerned that like someone's going to notice or whatever. And I do understand that. So what's your response to that? I am team unfollow as well. (laughs) We like, there's so much power by looking at a screen and it can affect how we feel so much. And for me, I've had to unfollow some like social media educators, even like business educators, because when I see their content, it's an immediate negative feeling about myself. Like I could be doing that if I just X, Y, Z, or I should be launching a course doing this or that. And that's not good like social media we want to make it a place that makes us feel good and if you're feeling bad by the content that you're seeing we got to change that up I totally agree there are a lot of people who I've unfollowed who are fantastic humans wonderful at their job do something very similar to me and that's exactly why I unfollowed them like it's a it's me it's not them and as business owners I think on social A really wonderful thing is that we can create these communities of similar business owners that are doing maybe similar things in different locations or complementary things, which is great that we can build these connections, but it can also lead to that comparison. So if you're like worried about unfollowing someone based on like the optics, you can just mute them, Mm -hmm. which shows that you still follow them, but you can choose either to mute just stories or mute uh, their feed posts and their stories which is also a really good way. Maybe if someone's like launching and that launch is making you feel bad about your business, like just mute them for that time. You can come back, turn it back on and really take care of yourself on social. Yep. I love that. I think our own mental health, like we we're always so concerned about what other people will think. And that's my Achilles heel. I totally get it. But we need to take that kind of care of ourselves and our mental health, like that the same care that we care about what are other people thinking? Like, but how are you feeling? And how is this making you feel? And how's it affecting your creativity? Because if you're constantly showing up and feeling like this comparison game, you're not going to be feeling very creative. 100%. And that's along the same lines in terms of fighting that comparison or even like the creative kind of burnout is stepping away from Instagram when you're creating content. So not Mm -hmm. using that as the starting point for content creation, but really taking a step back and creating content outside of Instagram so that it's not based on what you feel like you should or could be doing. That's a great idea. So when you're creating content, what's kind of your starting point? If you're not looking to Instagram for those ideas, where are you getting inspiration? My notes app on my phone is always my go-to so I live out in the country so I spend a lot of time in the car and that's usually when those ideas come to me is and it's usually the case like you're doing dishes or you're walking your dog that's when those like ideas of like what you've been hearing from your community or like what group is really passionate to you right now that's when you get those ideas and when you actually go to create content usually you can't think of those so I always recommend (laughs) like a brain dump note on your phone that you can just like put in those random ideas that come to you. So when I'm sitting down to create content, I'm thinking of like my overall plan for the month. Like if I'm selling something or launching something, 
how can I add value to my audience? So am I going to educate them? Am I going to really like focus on connection and telling those personal stories? And I'm using my notes app to kind of guide some of those decisions based on things that have been really top of mind for me lately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I have a similar process because I notoriously get the best ideas when I'm like picking up my kid from school. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I can't create content right now. So notes app it is. No, I have this draft in my notes app that I need to take into fruition, but it's about actually the idea of comparison on social media and in real life. And for me, so my daughter's in kindergarten. So this is her first year of school. And, you know, the big thing is packing lunches. And on social media, all you see are these like bento box, like perfect Mm -hmm. lunches for kids. So in my mind, I'm like, that's what every kid has at school. Like we need to make sure we have, you know, this type of lunchbox. And I went on a field trip with my daughter's class. So just within the four kids that were in our little group at lunchtime, there was one kid with that, you know, perfectly curated bento box with like umpteen snacks and all these different options. There was one kid who had like um, fast food bagels and a juice box. And there was one kid who had like a couple pieces of pizza, um, some chips. And like my daughter who had like a kind of put together bento walk. And like, that was such an eye-opening thing for me. Like, oh yeah, like everyone's lived experience is so different that it's really hurtful for us as parents, as humans, as business owners to only compare to a certain, you know, piece of content that we're seeing online because that's not reality. Yeah. You are a Taylor Swift fan. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So that made me think of, I, I am like deep in Swift talk right now. And the big thing is all of the outfits for the concert. And I, I think I saw another post. So I'm like, kind of, kind of stressing, but kind of excited about pulling together an outfit. Like it's a little bit, it's fun, but I saw a post that was really insightful. And it's someone who had actually gone to a concert and she said, you can totally dress up and wear a costume if you want, but the majority of people are wearing concert tees and jeans. You're just seeing all of the glitter and sequins on TikTok. And I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about that possibility, which is so silly, but I hadn't. No, and that's what social media teaches us, right? It shows us that highlight of everyone's lives and we're led to believe that's normal. Yeah. Like, as a new mom, I was led to believe that every baby just like slept independently in their crib and like, you know, was happy all the time, which was not my reality and not the reality for most people. And that's the negative side of social media because we don't often people aren't sharing the real life of it. So we kind of lose ourselves in that comparison. Yeah, totally. Okay. Last thing that I want to talk about today, how important is an aesthetic feed. I feel like it's corrected itself a bit to not be as important, but I know that there are still a lot of people who find themselves stressed out if their feed does not look super perfect. So what are your thoughts around that? It's a balance between your own preferences and also like just getting it done and out there because a negative part of social media, like as a business owner, we can overthink it and spend so long trying to make things perfect that we're not going to get the return on investment of our time or efforts Mm -hmm. into social media. 
you definitely want to make sure that your feed reflects your brand. So like as a photographer, you want to make sure that you have high quality images, that it shows your style and that you're not maybe just like throwing in some random graphics that don't match or aren't on brand. But I think we're really moving away from the overly curated like pattern grids where, you know, it's a photo, then a graphic or things like that. So definitely like you can still have your feed look branded, but still play with content. So even with reels, like if you want to have some fun with reels and do something a little bit more silly or even a meme, you can add a different cover photo to it. So it still fits your overall aesthetics, but gives you that like flexibility in your content. So you're not hyper focused on like exactly how things look. I love that. I, I kind of go through stages where I really like kind of the look of something that's more patterned, like graphic photo. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as it's no longer fun for me, I'm like, okay, that's done. And there's such freedom in that and being like, no one else is going to notice as much as I'm going to notice. That's such a good point. Like no one cares as much about your content than you do. And I say that like the most loving way is obviously we're like super close to our content, but not everyone is seeing it and no one's going to notice the same like level of detail. And I love what you said, Maddie, about like when it's fun for you, like that you kind of jump into it and that's exactly what to think about it. So if thinking about making some kind of like cool look on your feed makes social media exciting for you and helps you think of ideas like, oh, I'm going to do a graphic and then a photo and that makes your content creation easier. Go for it, run with it. But if that is a roadblock for you, Mm. then let it go and just start posting what feels good. Yes. I love that because I think it can be, if I were to be married to it and be like, well, I can't post today because I need to post a graphic and I haven't created that yet. That's totally a roadblock. Yeah. And the one thing I wanted to add in, like kind of complimentary to this conversation is like when you're thinking about content creation and like stressed about what you should post, we chatted about like going into your analytics. The other thing you can do is repurpose some of that content. So if you're feeling really stuck right now, it's like go, go into your archives of like your analytics, see what's performed well. And as we said, like not everyone is seeing your content. They don't know that you posted that photo three months ago. So really lean into the work you've already done. We spent so much time creating content for social media that if we can alleviate some of that time, have a bit more fun, that's also a way to help our boundaries on social media. That's my favorite underutilized tip. And I think people are so nervous that they're like going to get found out. I just think everyone should know that the people who are using social media in a way that's really effective for their business, they are repurposing. Like this is the hack. It is the hack. And some of my top performing content is like straight word for word reposts from before. And no one, no one knows. Same. Every time, the more that I repost something, whether it's the photo or oftentimes I'll like switch out the photo and do like a slightly different caption or something, but the caption is mostly the same. Every time, no, how do I want to say that? The more that I repurpose something, the more comments I get from people being like, oh my gosh, this was exactly what I needed to hear. This was, you know, perfect timing, da, da, da. And I'm like, I posted this six months ago, like, (laughs) but that's fine. I'm glad you found it helpful. And it's owning your brand. Like that's, you know, who you are and how your business is. And those messages 
are needed by people, obviously. And you have new followers since the last time you posted it. Not everyone sees it because of the algorithms. And even if they did see it, there's they probably won't remember. So if that's like the one piece of homework, we have a few about like how to set boundaries, but also when you're creating your next little bit of content, go into your, your analytics, see what's performed well, and just take some of that, maybe update it a bit, but then put that out into the world and it will save you time and help make social media feel good. Yes. I love that so much. Oh, awesome. Kat, how can people find you and reach out to you, figure out how to, how to work with you, all that good stuff? I am chronically online on Instagram at social cat media, and that's cat with a K. So I spend a lot of time hanging out there in the messages and making lots of fun reels. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was so helpful. And I really hope that this helps my audience figure out how to make social media feel more fun for them. I think that's so important. Thanks, Maddie. Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.